fire for missions. Praise the Lord. For those of you who have been giving to the, towards the missions uh, 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 pledge and all that, we really appreciate it. You know, thank you for your support. And without your giving, they would not be able to be able to go. So this week is the final uh, uh, week for the giving for missions, all right, and for, for the 2017-2018 year. You know, you can still continue to give, but as far as our internal accounting is concerned, you know, if you give, for, if you give next week, following week, it will be all accounted into our 2018-2019 missions year. So once again, we want to thank you even for your faithful giving, and I think uh, the full account will be shown to you uh, on the final week uh, of this month when we have our missions rally. Praise the Lord. It's exciting, all right? So next week, we have uh, Eric Fang, our, uh, uh, who attends this church and who is part of the family of God here, you know, with us, and he's going to share powerful uh, missions testimony and a message, and then after that, Jim, Jim, you also will be here. You are going to be indeed blessed. But today, I'd like to uh, share even on, on missions, uh, on, on along the theme of uh, our, our missions month, all right, and uh, as we say, it is still unstoppable love. All right, unstoppable love, emphasizing on nations. My text today is taken from Acts, the book of Acts. It's actually the whole chapter of the book of Acts, but uh, uh, I will just read a few verses from uh, verse 9 onwards, okay? I will just read from verse 9 onwards and uh, uh, not the whole passage. It's, the Bible here says, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open. Everybody say, heavens opened. Heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending. Been let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. From this passage of Scripture, I'd like to share on the open heaven, open hearts, sharing God's love. Open heaven, open hearts. What do we need in order to share God's love? It is open heaven and open heart. Now, you may be very familiar with this portion of Scripture. It started off by telling us that there was a man who was praying by the name of Cornelius. God sent an angel to him to tell him to go to a certain place and bring a man by the name of Simon Peter who would tell him everything that he needs to know. And that's what he did. And while... That was happening. God spoke to Peter. He, has just, he just came from Lydia and, 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 and he went to the rooftop. 
And he was praying while preparing, while waiting for for the meal to be pre, uh, to be prepared. And he was hungry. He was hungry. And then God showed him in a vision a clean sheet that was let down from heaven, from the four corners. And it was let down from heaven, and in it were all kinds of creatures. And God commanded him to eat, but Peter says, no, because they are unclean. And God instructed him, do not call unclean that which I have called common. And Peter did not understand the vision. What, what, what is it all about? It wasn't just one particular vision for just that time, but it is for all time, even right up to this age. The two incidents happened about 50 kilometers apart, actually. I still wanted to point here. <laughs> all right, you know, huh? Next week when you come, this will be ready. You'll be exciting, all right? But for now, we are just uh, so sorry about that. We apologize. The work is in progress. And next week when you come, we'll have a big screen already. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So there are some, uh, the, uh, especially some of the elderly folks who, 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 who sit way at the back there. Hey, the words will be big enough for you to see. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And not only were the words, all the pimples, all the wrinkles of the speaker, so I think you can see. <laughs> Alright, so here we are. Oh, there's no pointer here? Oh, there is. No, there's no pointer. Okay, so sorry. Okay, you see down on the uh, number six there, there is Jopa. Jopa is where... Uh, 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 Peter was at this time. He has uh, just traveled from Lydia, uh, number five, all right, and then there are miracles that were happening. And then number six, there was Joppa. And you go up north, number seven, that is where Caesarea is. And Caesarea is where uh, this uh, 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 Cornelius is, all right. Cornelius is up north in, in, in uh, Caesarea. And after ministry in Lydia, Peter was staying at uh, Simon the Tanner's house. It, most likely, it may be a, 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 a seaside, you know, by the beach, by the beach, a seaside bungalow or resort. You know, he needed a break, perhaps, you know, uh, or it was just a, a small place or whatever it is, you know, but with a rooftop. And so he was up there praying, you know, and the distance between Joppa and Caesarea is about 50 kilometers, you know. Two separate places, two different individuals, and God is just orchestrating His plan, putting His plan into motion. And it took them about four days. All this thing happened about four days, you know, when the vision appeared. And then later, when Peter went to uh, 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 Cornelius' house, it was four days later. So it took a while to travel, all right? And of course, the man who came down to Joppa stayed overnight there. What is God trying to do? Now, this chapter here in chapter 10, S chapter 10 is a very, very important chapter in the history of Christianity. Because up until this point, the salvation message has been proclaimed. Revival has been happening. Salvation has been happening up until chapter 9. It was all just among one specific group of people, that is the Jews. 
Only the Jews have received the gospel. Yes, the message has been preached to the Samaritans, which are considered as half-Jews. Yes, the utopian eunuch have received the gospel through Philip the evangelist, but he was a Jewish proselyte. But here, for the first time, the gospel is going to be proclaimed even to the Gentiles. For the first time in the history of the world, not just of the New Testament, but of the world, the gospel is going to be preached and received in the hearts of the Gentiles. And after that, I tell you, the gospel will reach to the ends of the earth. So it's a very, very important passage of Scripture because without this thing that happened, that is recorded for us here, we wouldn't be sitting here today. We wouldn't have been saved. We wouldn't have known even the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But thank God that it did happen. Because first of all, there was an open heaven. It was a vision that changed the world. The Bible says in verse 11, And he saw heaven open. What did he see really? Where is heaven? Where is heaven? It must be further. If, if you are talking about a location, it must be further than the moon, isn't it? <laughs> it must be far away. But he saw. Now, whether it's a literal sight that he saw or whether it is symbolic, Bible says he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open. In whichever manner, in whichever form the vision came, Definitely, it would change the entire world. And the Bible says in that vision, he saw a, a sheet that came down from heaven. We call this the sheet experience. I have to be careful how I pronounce that. Otherwise, you see, some, you see a different vision. All right, it is the sheet experience. And he saw all kinds of creatures there. And the command, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter immediately responded, not so, Lord, you know, being a Jew, being a devout, pious Jew, although he, you know, uh, 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 the Lord has touched him and saved him. And yet, he's still a Jew. Peter was still a Jew. And he says, even from of young, nothing unclean has ever entered into his mouth. And so it was repulsive to him. In that sheet, he saw all the clean and the unclean animals. And God had to tell him, do not call common that which I have cleansed. Don't call God's plan unclean. And what God is trying to show is beyond just the creatures there in the sheet, but rather the love of God that is not prejudicial at all. Now, the Jews are very particular about cleanliness. A lot of things can make a person unclean and the person cannot come into the presence of God. Among these are certain diseases. For example, leprosy. If you've got, a lepro lepro you've got leprosy, you have to shout, unclean, unclean. Nobody even would dare to come near you or touch you. So certain diseases, yes. And even death. And dead bodies. You know, if any and you touch a dead body, the person will be declared unclean for a period of time. 
and not only death and diseases, but even a women's bodily discharge, all right, you know, will be considered as uh, unclean. And of course, you know, uh, idolatry is considered uh, unclean. It will make a person defile. And certain kind of food, even food, so, and, and especially food. Now, when it comes to food, all of us have certain preferences, isn't it? You know, I always like to tease those Americans and, and Australians and those uh, 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 Westerners that come, you know. I like to order fish, you know, with a head there, you know and turn the fish head, you know, and let, 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 them, let the fish head with the eye, you know, and the, and the mouth open, look at, the, at, the, at our guests. And, oh! and then when I, when I eat the fish head, oh, I can feel their disgust there, you know. Say, this, this pastor are disgusting, you know. How can he be anointed, man? <laughs> but it, this, these are kind of preferences, all right? But for the Jews, it's more than just preferences, you know, if you touch and eat certain food, you are unclean and defiled. It is an abomination. And among the leaves of these clean and unclean animals, it's written for us in Leviticus chapter 11 and also Deuteronomy chapter 14. A long list. What are some of these creatures that are considered clean and unclean? God has given the whole of creation to us by the fall of man. And the flood changed uh, a lot of things, all right? And uh, the, some of the unclean animals, for example, are those animals that are die of old age, you know, or of diseases, all right? So those creatures that die of old age, they are old already, they die, or, or, or certain diseases, you are not supposed to eat them at all. And uh, there are creatures, also mammals, Mammals, uh, creatures uh, that are considered uh, unclean are those that do not chew the cut and that uh, whose, who, the, the, the hooves are, 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 are split, you know. So what are those creatures? Those creatures are like pigs. That's why for the Jews, pigs are unclean. And uh, camels, rabbits, all right, they have, uh, do not have split hooves and so you find that uh, all these are considered as unclean. And then fish. Certain fish are considered unclean, all right? And this include uh, fish that do not have fins and do not have scales, considered unclean. And even seashells. Sorry, uh, those of you who love seashells, you know. All right, and, uh, and then uh, there are the crawling creatures. And any creatures that crawl on its belly is considered as unclean, all right? And so you can easily tell the Creatures like snakes, even mice, lizards, you know, they, they, although they have legs, but they crawl on their bellies. They walk on their bellies, and anything that walks on their bellies are considered as unclean. And there are certain insects. What kind of insects are considered unclean? In fact, most insects are considered unclean except those that hop. What are the insects that hop? Locusts. So that's why John the Baptist, oh, his favorite diet, locusts. All right, no problem, you know. And for some reason, you find that, hey, locusts uh, uh, is no problem, you know. So you can have locust lasagna, no problem, you know. <laughs> and then certain birds that are considered un as unclean. What are those birds that are considered unclean? The sca scavengers kind of birds, all right. You know, the vultures and uh, scavengers kind, you know. So for the Jews, they are very strict on their, di on their diet. 
And so when, when, when Peter saw this, you know, and he has, he has never touched anything unclean. And so when God says, rise up Peter, kill and eat, and he saw all the unclean animals, he said, yuck, Lord. You can ask me to do anything, but not eat those unclean animals. But what is God trying to say? Is it just about food? God is not telling us to go cook some pork chops because my death on the cross sanctified unclean animals. Some people have said that this passage of Scripture tells us all animals are now sanctified. You can eat. All right? Because God says, do not call unclean or common that which I have already cleansed. You know? So we can eat anything. Hey, yes, in the New Testament, we are now bound by those Old Testament laws or dietary laws, especially of the Jews. You know? But we have to be... We have to be considerate also of our own temple. You know, certain food, you know, are not against the law, but they are not necessarily good for you. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful or, or just uh, uh, edify. So it's not about diet. Oh, you, you, can, you can have all kinds of, of, of food. But what God is saying is, Peter, it is now permissible for you to enter into the homes of the Gentiles to preach and to teach the gospel. It's about people. It is about the Gentile world that the Jews have excluded even from being normal human beings. They consider the Gentiles a different species altogether. The world for them is divided in only two, Jew or Gentile. And Jews are the people of God, Gentiles are the scum of the earth. They are unclean. But God is saying, hey, it's more than that. God is expanding our vision. God is showing His love for His creation, for all kinds of people. Love that knows no boundaries. And God is showing this vision to Peter so that he would understand that the Gentiles are coming by the horse, by the millions, coming into the kingdom of God, coming to Christ. An open heaven vision will give us the understanding of the love of God that knows no boundaries, that is not prejudicial, a God of abundance, a God of breakthroughs. God desires everyone to be saved. Yes, there was the miracle, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and 3,000 souls get saved. Who were those 3,000 people? Jews. Later on, 5,000 people were added. Who were those 5,000 people? Jews. All along it's been Jews, but up to this point, until this point, when God has to break through with this heavenly vision to show His love and His concern. Yes, they know. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. But up until this point, all creation is only the Jews. 
Yes, they, when the Holy Spirit, before the Holy Spirit came, Jesus had already said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. But up to this point, it's still only the Jews. And somehow, the disciples, the apostles, the church, have not reached out to the Gentiles. All their evangelism, all the miracles, everything that has happened, confined to one group of people. How can that be? That's why it takes something very dramatic, as dramatic as an open heaven vision to break through to the hearts of God's people. To shake them out, shake them up, take them out of their comfort zone. The expanding vision of God. To show that God does not show any partiality at all. Before we are quick to judge the Jews, they divided the world only into two categories of people, Jews and Gentiles, clean and unclean. Hey, many times we fall into that mistake of dividing the world into two categories of people as well. In our lives also, many times we divide people into two categories only. The rich and the poor. The educated and the uneducated. The have and the have not. The one that I like and the one that I don't like. Two categories of people. And God is going to change all of that. It's not going to be by race. It's not going to be by economic status anymore. But God's love reaches out to all. doesn't matter who they are, where they come from. God shows no partiality at all. He is an impartial God. That's why there are so many nations. And yet God loves every single one of them. They may not look like us. They may not smell like us. They may not talk like us. But to God, He has no favorites at all. Aren't you glad that God has no favorites? Amen? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! We are His favorite child, yes! But as far as the world is concerned, there's no partiality, no favoritism in the sight of God. That's why he said in this, in this uh, uh, sheet experience, all kinds of creatures. He has one gospel only, and that gospel is not just for the Jews. It's for all people. All people. So God is doing a new thing here. Peter did not know it. He could even at this point, all right, he, can, he couldn't understand even the, the open heaven vision. What, what, what is it? He couldn't understand. But God is doing something dramatic at this point of time. Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. It will spring forth. And God definitely was doing a thing that He has never ever done before. In chapter 10, He's opening up even salvation to all people a full demonstration 
of the love of God. And the initiative came from God. God is doing a new work. He has never done that before. Really, you know, literally, you know, powerfully a new thing. Brothers and sisters, we may be held back by a lot of things. And sometimes God will grant us an open heaven vision. Heaven may open for anyone, actually. Now, whether you see it literally or whether symbolically, in a dream, in a trance, in a vision, whatever it is. There are other people in the Bible that have seen the heaven open. People like Jacob in Genesis 28 verse 12. People like Stephen in Acts chapter 7 verse 16 or 56. And here, of course, we have Peter, where literally the heaven opened and God just spoke to them. God deal, you know, you know in, in, in every one of these instances, you know, uh, it was a different vision, you know, and yet God speaks to us. And heaven may open for you, brothers and sisters. Now, I, I have not seen heaven open literally, you know, but many times the revelation, the, the vision of God will change your life. And God is granting each one of us a new vision, a new vision for your life, a new vision for your situation. Some of you are stuck in the rut for all this while and you are wondering which direction shall I go? You know, what shall I do in the future? What shall I commit my life, my resources to? Pray, I pray that God will grant you an open heaven vision. If there are things that are holding you back, I pray that this open heaven vision will just break every barriers and propel you into the new thing that God is doing for you and for our church as well. Open heaven. Then there is an open heart as well. Open heaven alone is not good enough. God may grant revelation after revelation, vision after vision, and many people have received that, but after that, if there is no open heart, nothing is accomplished. There must be the open heart as well, the heart that God uses. So God told Peter, Peter, rise up, kill and eat. You are hungry. But Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. His heart was closed. Closed heart said, no, Lord, no. And this is the irony, isn't it? When you say no, you cannot say Lord anymore. When you say Lord, you cannot say no. But to say, no, Lord, not so, Lord. Wow, you got the cheek, you got the guts to say that to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You call me Lord, but you do not do the things that I tell you to do. Not so, Lord. His heart was closed. Prejudice. There are many things that cause our hearts to be close to the people that God loves, to the things that God wants us to do. And in this case here, remember it did not happen just once. Bible says it happened how many times? Three times. 
The same Peter who denied the Lord three times now say, not so, Lord, not so, Lord. Wow. And you thought that Peter is transformed, changed already after the resurrection. Still coming up with his denials in a different form. No, no, Lord, no, no. No, no, no way, no way. And the Lord has to speak three times. See how patient God is. Oh, it's just remarkable, the patience of God. If you ask your child to do it, you say it one time, they say no. You do it two times, you know, no. Three times, what do you do? <laughs> but patiently, God spoke. And after that, after the third time, God did not repeat already. God did not say what I have cleansed, do not call common. God just says, there are three men coming. You follow them. And sure enough, after the vision, immediately there was a knock on the door. The three men was there. Close hearts. God says, don't call this common. I'm doing a new thing. I like the message Bible that says in Acts chapter 10, verse 15. If God says it's okay, it's okay. Don't say it's not okay. God says already, it's okay. Open house, you'll say, yes, sir. Okay, Lord. I don't understand, but I will do it. Close hearts, barriers. We have all kinds of barriers, isn't it? It may not be clean and unclean animals, but in obeying the Lord, in doing what God wants us to do, there are many barriers in our life we face. The barriers of prejudice. These are not my people. We are so prejudicial according to the color of the skin or the language they speak. Not my people. Why should I care? Indifference. It's not my place. It's not my business, none of my business. Non-involvement is not my concern at all. Inadequacy, not my level of ability. Timidity, I'm too afraid. Or there may be a lot of other personal prejudices or fears. Come on, go to mission trip. We need somebody in Philippines. We need somebody in Pakistan. Oh, not me, Lord, not me. Why? Oh, they do not see the clean sheet or, or, or of animals. What they see is a vision of the toilet. The toilet, they see the vision of the toilet and say, not so, Lord, not so. Never, never, never into, shall I go into these countries. The toilet kept them away. It became a barrier. Hey, it's not as bad as you imagine. In many of these places, some places, yeah, it's still very rural, but many times it's not as bad as it seems. There are a lot of development in many of these countries, although some are really still backward. It was the unclean animals that kept Peter away. It may be the toilet, it may be the, the people, it may be uh, all kinds of news that you have received about certain countries that kept you away. But today, I pray that you will break all those barriers. 
you'll break all those barriers. If God has called it, if God says it's okay, it's okay. He will take care of you. He will take care of you and He will bless you. He will keep you in good health. It's not just a diet that you eat, all right? You may be the, the, the best dietitian in, uh, in the world, you know, uh, you know. Uh, but anything can still happen. But in the hands of God, in the hands of God, it is okay. Break down those barriers and prejudices and say yes unto the Lord. But thankfully, Peter was ready to change. And he was fast to change. After the vision and as he you know, obeyed the, the, the voice of the Spirit and followed the man to the house of Cornelius, and he began to see what, what God is doing. And as he stood before the people there, he began to understand. It's not just about food, it's about people. In verse 28, he confessed, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Wow, what a revelation to him. This is, this is life-changing. Up until this point, he dared not even enter into the house of a Gentile. And for the Jews, if they walk on any streets where the Gentiles have walked, when they go back to their own house, they will shake the dust off their shoes. That's how serious they are. Nothing to do with the Gentiles. But now, for Peter to come out with this confession, I should not call any person common or unclean. I tell you, that's revolutionary. It's a total change of heart. And it takes God to show him that. If somebody were to tell him, which Paul later, uh, uh, later did actually, Paul, Paul told Peter, you are not being fair. You preach this gospel, but you are, you are behaving like that. You know, and Paul, and Paul had to confront Peter, but, but that was after the thing, you know. But here, you find that it, it takes only divine persuasion to convince Peter to break that prejudice that he has in the heart. Verse 34, in truth, I understand. Now I understand that God doesn't show favoritism. Wow, breakthrough! Many of us need breakthroughs in our mind, in our hearts, to change our hearts in how we view certain people. Come on, be honest now. How do you, although there are many Chinese here, how do you view the Chinese in China? We have stereotypes, isn't it? <laughs> we have stereotypes. How do you view the Middle Eastern people? How do you view Nigerians? Or any races for that matter? Be honest. I'm not asking that you love them with all that lovey-dovey feeling, suddenly. But God has to deal with our heart first to understand no favoritism. Everybody say no favoritism. At every level, not just among other races and all that. Even in the office, I insisted. No favoritism, whether you are pastor or whether you are admin worker. No favoritism. If there is an office rule, it applies, it applies to all. If there is a counting principle, it applies, it applies to all. That's how we should deal with life. We must have a, 
a heart that is willing to change. Put your hands on your heart and say, Lord, change my heart. Say it, Lord, change my heart. Amen. That's the beginning of missions. When God changed the heart of Peter, you need a heart transplant. That's the beginning. And then we begin to see God's heart for missions here in His full revelation. When Peter obeyed, miracles happened. Thank God that Peter obeyed. Thank God that his heart was changed. And you read from verse 34 onwards, fantastic things begin to happen. Can you just imagine if Peter chose not to obey? We will not be here today. Of course, God can always raise somebody else. But we see here more than just the heart of human being, we see God's heart is for missions. There was Cornelius, a centurion. He has 100, 100 people, soldiers under him. And the Bible says he prayed. He prayed more than most of us here. He gave alms. He gave more than most of us here. He sought God. And the Bible says he was a good man, uh, an upright man, spoken well by all the nation, by all the people in the nation. In verse 22, surely this guy is already saved, isn't he? But no, he was not saved. He was not saved. He prayed with to which God did he pray to? Now, he's an Italian soldier or centurion, commander of the army of 100 people. And they are used to all kinds of gods. But it seems that somewhere along the line, he has decided to follow one God. And it may be the God of the Jews. It may have impressed him because he worked among the Jews, he governed the Jews, he took care of the peace of the land, where the Jews resided in, and he could have been influenced. But even then, he did not have faith. Something is lacking. You know, he did all of these things, but something is lacking. He did not have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was not saved. And so you see all the religious people in the world. You think, hey, God, how can you send these people to hell? No, no, no. God, God is not sending people to hell. God is sending us to them. That's God's solution. He was not saved. He was a searching soul. Sometimes when you go into these countries, you see the Hindus of India, the Buddhists of Myanmar, Laos and all these countries and they are so devoted and you wonder. But God has no plan B for salvation at all. There's only one plan for salvation. Not through good words, not through philanthropy, not how many times a day you pray. None of these things can save a person. There's only one thing that can save a person. 
And that's why God had to send. God had to send even Peter, even to preach and share the gospel to one soul in Sicilia, 50 kilometers away. God is willing to send somebody 500 kilometers away, 5,000 kilometers away. If there is an open heart, And there's only one plan that God has, the message. And Peter expounded the message to Cornelius. And verse 36, As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace. Yes, the good news of peace. Through who? Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourself know what happened throughout our Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He set people free from demon oppression, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in uh, uh, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people. Verse 43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's the solution for the soul that is searching for the truth, for the true God, and is found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Somebody shout, Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I love this passage in such a short few verses. God, Peter preached the full gospel already. From the life of Jesus Christ to His death, to His resurrection, to His appearing again. There's a full gospel. That's a message that we need to preach. Everyone who believes in Him, everyone, not for the Jews only, but everyone who believes in Him will receive forgiveness of sins through His name. Brothers and sisters, we have this message. We have this message. The message needs, that the world needs to hear that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He has power over the devil, over sicknesses, over sin. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the Savior of our soul. And only He can wash away our sins. He is coming again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And Jesus is Lord of all. What a declaration! The world needs this message of hope. That's God's solution for everyone. The incomparable Christ. Hallelujah. And most of you, if not all of you, have, have experienced the power of God. Not just for salvation, but even in your Christian life. God continues to deliver you. God continues to heal you. But this message needs a messenger. There is a soul waiting out there. There is a message that we have. God has done His part. But God needs a messenger sharing God's love. 
Peter says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. He commanded every one of us. It is a command. It is not a suggestion. It is not just an appeal. If you like it, if you don't like it, but it is a command. There was an angel that appeared to Cornelius and said, in that vision, send men to Joppa. That angel could have preached the gospel to Cornelius, couldn't he? But you know what? God's plan is not that way. Angels can do miracles, can do mighty things, strong, powerful. But one thing they cannot do, they cannot preach the gospel. In God's plan of salvation, that privilege of sharing the gospel is given to human beings, not to angels. That's why the angel appeared to Peter. Hey, come on, save all the trouble. Why don't the angel just preach and share just what Jesus Christ has done? Because angels don't know the grace of God. Angels don't know what it means to be safe. Only human beings, we who have fallen, we who know what sin is, we who cried out to God for salvation, we have tasted the goodness of the Lord, the saving power of God. To us, it's been given. It's a privilege. You can do something that angels cannot do. Guess, you know that? And what is that? To preach the gospel. To share the salvation message. What a privilege. So we have here a tale of two visions. A vision given to Cornelius and a vision given to Peter, maybe just minutes or perhaps hours apart. God synchronized. God orchestrated this. Why? To show His salvation to all people. That is God's heart for missions. So we have the Father's heart for missions. We have Jesus Christ. He has done everything. And then the Holy Spirit in missions. It was the Holy Spirit who said to Peter, Peter, three men are coming. You go and follow them. The Spirit said to Peter. And then when Pete, before Peter could finish preaching the gospel, the Spirit of God came down upon Cornelius and his household. And that, brothers and sisters, oh, the Gentiles have the privilege on hearing the gospel and before the gospel uh, that, that, that Peter preached, you know, before he could finish preaching, the Spirit already was poured out to them. For the Jews, they have to wait 10 days up in the upper room. 10 days up in the upper room. For the Gentiles, immediate! Immediate! Before the preacher can finish preaching, bang, the Holy Spirit came down. And Peter had to step aside. Oh, God has been waiting a long time. He said, I cannot wait any longer. Peter, step aside. These people, these Gentiles, these my people are ready for not just the gospel, but also for the Holy Spirit. Hungry, hungry hearts all over the nations. Friends, it takes God to do it. God is the initiator and He will finish the work through each and every one of us. Somebody say amen. When we go, we do not go by ourselves. 
It is, you know, God has prepared the hearts of people whom He sent. God also has prepared the hearts of the people there to receive the gospel. People like Cornelius out there. You know, all those who have gone on mission trip, you go there, you preach the gospel. Wow, you see, thousands getting saved. You know, healing happened. Why? Because the Spirit has gone ahead to prepare their hearts. It's not our words. God is more keen that the hearts of these unbelievers, pre-believers, be turned to Him, be saved. He's more keen, He's more interested, He's more passionate than any one of us. And that's why here He opened the door. Will you say yes to Him? Will you just do what He calls you to do? Will you capture that vision of nations turning to Christ as God has intended it to be? And it was from there. Yes, later on, it was a church of Antioch, but I believe that it was right here in Caesarea, in the household of Cornelius. Waves begin to spread out already. The Gentiles are coming to the Lord. By the thousands, by the millions, because somebody obeyed and put aside every personal prejudices and is willing to change your heart in order to obey the Lord. To the ends of the earth. That's what, the God, that's what it says. To the ends of the earth. Let's pray.